Just when you think you've seen it all in Mexican football, you get a week like that. A bizarre, crazy week in which we didn't even have any Liga MX action, but there's been no shortage of stories and there's uh, no shortage of, of drama as ever with Mexican football, but this week more so than usual. Now, some of you may have thought no Liga MX, there would be no podcast, but I've decided to do one anyway, and we're going to do things a little bit differently than usual. We're going to start off with uh, a talk about the strike and answering your questions on the strike. And then uh, we're going to switch things up a bit and take the opportunity, really, of of there being no current on-the-field action to talk about, to talk about some on-the-field action in the past. Um, We're going to take a trip down memory lane, but... Not the not the long past, just the uh, the recent some recent past of Liga Mekis, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So to start with, the strike, and um, I'm sure some of you are wondering what I think about it. So here we, here we go. Look, strikes in general are difficult. I think to, to they're difficult to support sometimes because the thing about strikes is. You know, I I think they're an absolutely necessary part of society to ensure a balance of power between between big business companies, etc., and between ordinary people. I guess you could say workers, in essence. You know, to to ensure the balance between em- employer and employee. The problem with strikes is that, unfortunately, they tend to also impact third-party members. So in the UK, most of the strikes we get right now are train strikes. So, you know, train drivers walking out over various issues, whether it be due to pay or recently there's been stuff about replacing, you know, looking to replace drivers with driverless trains. And they're worried about that because obviously that would lead to them losing their jobs. So, the, the, you know, with, with this, the problem is that who gets hurt? by the strike well obviously the employer gets hurt because the trains can't run so they lose they lose money they, they their reputation goes down but also it affects the people who get the trains who are as i said they're third party members they have nothing to do with it in this example um of Liga Merkis, we're the third party members the fans and it sounds a little bit ridiculous for me to say this but you know, this strike has hurt us third-party members who have nothing to do with it because we lost out on a weekend of football. And the likelihood is this weekend is going to be played again in midweek. But, you know, midweek games aren't ideal. They aren't ideal for for fans who work late midweek. And so, you know, it might be that less fans are able to attend the games. And it will lead to more congestion of fixtures because there's less time to play games. So, yeah, I mean, I'm being very picky when I say that, but I know, I still think it's a point to be made. And uh, I think that's why it can be difficult to support strikes. And I know there's a lot of people that whose instant reaction was because they were thinking you know, they were disappointed. They were disappointed that they were going to lose out on a weekend of games. And let's not forget, there are a lot of people 
in Mexico who have traveled to away games. Um, I saw, you know, Chivas fans were still going to Monterrey to, um, to, to try and watch the Tigres game. You know, they were originally going there and, and the strike came too late for them to change their plans. So, and some of them still went and yeah, I'm sure they can have a nice time in Monterrey, but they didn't manage to see the game. So it's hurt them. It's hurt some fans. And that's why I think instantly some fans will have a negative reaction to this. But I, I am in support of the strike. I'm, I, I'm just pointing out that there is that unfortunate um, impact of strikes. And yeah, it's, it's a shame, but I think it's a, it's a necessary evil. To put it that way, I think the to say that the strike is they said the strike is to do with the lack of punishment for Triverio and Aguilar because to the letter of the law they should have got a year ban. Now, first of all, I don't think Copa Américas has ever had such an impact on Mexican football. <laughs> we talk about the, the tournament becoming more reputable. Well. This is the most impact I think it's ever had. The thing about um, the bans is that I, I kind of have to say, come on, you know. To, if the referees are really that upset about a player not being banned for a year, I think they have to grow up a bit. Come on, a year? Do they, do they really want a player banned for a year? That would be, I just think, absurd. You know, maybe if the, the one of the players had literally beaten up the referee. But look at Treverio. You know, what he did was wrong. Very, very wrong. But he has since apologised for his actions. To ban him for a year is just too much for me. Way too much. I, I don't think... I personally don't think that the referees' union are actually that bothered about it. My theory is that they're using this as an example and they're using this as a way to show that they're unhappy with the way they're being treated by Liga Mekis. Now, refereeing in Mexico is not perfect by any means, but they need the support of Liga Mekis as an organization to, to make them better. And at the moment, it doesn't seem like they're getting that. The referees in Mexico get stick and abuse from all corners whether it be fans players or even club officials I mean after the Lozano injury the vice president of Pachuca Andres Fassi said it's been an embarrassment we are tired of telling referees to look after Chucky he's been the most fouled player in the uh, last two seasons and they don't look after him so they're getting stick from the vice president and the vice president of one of the best run clubs in the league they need support. They need a group to actually support them. And that group needs to be Liga Merkis. And what do I mean by support? Well, if Liga Merkis are unhappy with the standard of refereeing, instead of just sitting there and letting everyone complain about it, why not do something about it? Now, a few weeks ago, the referees complained about a lack of pay. You know, Liga Mekis, I'm sure, could afford more money for referees. This is a, a, a pretty wealthy league as a whole. Um, in terms of global standards, it's, it's up there. There's money in the league. Why don't the organisation invest more in refereeing? 
why don't they they pay more why don't they pay for more training camps to be put on to increase the quality rather than just sitting there and doing nothing and i think that's what this is about i think i think really they're making an example they're using this as an excuse to say you know this is the final straw you, you don't give us support and we've had enough and we, we we demand something change and i think the referees union are absolutely right to say that and I think what they're doing, if it if it's treated well and if there's a good response to this from Liga Mekis or the FMF, then we can see an improvement of refereeing in Mexico, which we all want. And I'm sure the referees want it too, you know? Everyone would like there to be a better standard of refereeing in Mexico. But we can't just sit here and complain and expect something to happen because that... That's not the way you get things done. It, it's not productive to just complain. It's easy to complain. It's easy to point fingers, but it's not productive. And Liga Mekis and the FMF need to do something productive about it. That's what I think. Just coming back to the comments of the Pachuca vice president and um, something where I support the refereeing in Mexico right now is their general attitude and culture towards any tackles that could be considered dangerous. There is a real no-tolerance policy on tackles in Mexico. And I think this is where a lot of people end up complaining at referees because they think they're too strict. There's tons of red cards in Mexico, way more than in the Premier League and the Bundesliga, as I found in my study last year, way, way more. So I really wonder, what does what do the Pachuca board want? Can they, what, do they, what more do they want from referees? They are already giving out red cards left, right, and center for bad challenges. Are they expecting even more strict refereeing? I, I just think that, you know, why, why is Tricky the most fouled player in the, in, in the league? Because he dribbles so much. That's, that's inevitability of being a dribbler. And I think referees in Mexico do a very good job of protecting dribblers at right now. I think the fact that there's so many red cards shows us that they do a great job of protecting dribblers. To me, it's now up to the players. The, the players, like, let's, let's, let's use the worst example, of course, Sambuesa. Ruben Sambuesa, he, he's got to stop. I mean, seriously, he's got to stop. And perhaps, perhaps the, uh, the, the punishments to him need to get stronger because right now, although there's tons of red cards in Mexico, there's only a one-game suspension for a red card, and that's not up to the referees. So don't have a go at the referees for that. That's the league, and that's something the league probably have to look at. Because, you know, you miss a game, one game. It's only one game. So what? You come back the next one, get sent off again. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that much. In, in the Premier League, for example, straight red card, you're normally getting a three-match suspension, and that is a big difference to a one-game suspension. So, yeah, I, I you know, I have to say, what what more does... From the referees, what more to Pachuca want? I think they're already doing, in that regard, a good job. I don't think their, their consistency of decisions is very good. But I think in their overall culture to aggressive challenges, they do a good job. Okay, so that's my thoughts. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a difficult situation, obviously. And he's hoping for a positive solution. But yeah. Let's move on to your questions on the topic. And uh, at FR Football Ollie asks, obvious question, referee strike, how much of an impact will it have next weekend and looking ahead? 
um, yeah, I hope it's going to have a good impact. As I said, I, I, I really do, but I know Mexican football and the likelihood is that there'll be very little change. Perhaps they'll they'll end up banning Trivario and Aguilar for a year. I'm sure the clubs will kick up at this. I'm sure the players will kick up at this, but... You know, I, the, the, I, don't th- I don't see the club striking, so I, I think we'll probably end up playing next weekend. The season will go ahead, and um, I think, unfortunately, we'll probably see minimal changes to refereeing. Uh, perhaps I'm being a bit depressing there, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I just, I'm not, I, I don't have much faith, too much faith. On the on the um, topic of of uh, changing for the future, one from uh, at you already know, um, not quite spelled like that, but yeah, okay. Uh, at you already know on Twitter asks, what kind of precedent and motivation does this referee strike give Marquez and his people trying to put together a players union? Very interesting question. I think it's probably going to encourage him. I think it shows that. Shows that unions have power, you know, they have power, they are able to do things, and we'll see how much change this is. This strike actually makes, but clearly, they have power. And I think if if Marquez really wants to change Mexican football for the better and create a system where players aren't traded around like commodities. You know, uh, create a system where players are allowed to move at the end of their contracts. Then, yeah, I I, I think this is going to be encouragement for him, and you know, good luck to him. I think what he's doing sounds pretty noble. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he he sort of sticks to that, and 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 it doesn't become something that can be used for personal gain. Um, but. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely, it's going to give him some a lot of encouragement. I would say to show that it can be done. You know, players can players can strike too, and if they get together in a union, that's that's something for the organisation of Liga MX to be concerned about, and they're going to have to do stuff about it. My good buddy Cesar Hernandez at Cesar H Football asks, "Do you believe certain teams will benefit from this weekend off?" Uh, First one that comes to mind is Tigres, because obviously they had the short break, uh, probably America as well. Both teams had the short break after the Apertura final and have looked pretty sluggish so far this season. So yeah, Tigres and America could benefit. But also thinking a little bit deeper, I think the teams that playing were set to play on Sunday are going to benefit more than others. So Toluca, Cruz Azul, Chiapas León, Santos Laguna and Monterrey. All six of those teams were playing Sunday and what this means is that they weren't as far into their game preparation as others. So fatigue doesn't just come from the 90 minutes itself, it comes from the build-up of training towards a game, it comes from travelling to games. So they're going to have had a lot more rest than Veracruz and Puebla, who were pretty much set to kick off. So, yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Veracruz and Puebla because I think they're going to be worse hit than all the other teams. And, yeah, particularly Veracruz, you know, just to mention, sad situation with, with one of their coaches passing away uh, just before the game was set to kick off. And, uh, 
you know, that game may have been cancelled anyway because of, of that situation. So, yeah, you, you know, that was a, a tough evening, I think, um, for them. And obviously, you know, whatever whatever you, you think about the club, um, you, you do wish... Uh, you do wish them the best that, that it doesn't affect their season because I think that'd be very unfortunate but yeah perhaps the Sunday teams will get a bit more benefit but I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference to be honest uh, yeah I, I don't think it's going to make a massive difference to the season last question on this before we move on comes from at Joel Tena who asks, in their time off, should Sambuesa and Aguila star in a buddy film about rogue vigilantes who don't play by the rules? <laughs> yeah, thank you for lightening the mood. I'm feeling like I've been really serious for the last like, 15 minutes. Yeah, why not? Why not? I think, you know, Chuck and Triverio, they've got to do something if they've got a year off, haven't they? I mean, <laughs> I can't feel sorry for them if they get kicked out of football for a year. Ah, then again, then again, Sambuesa would probably be kicked off the set after a couple of weeks because, yeah, that's what he tends to do. Uh, if you missed my stat the a few days ago, since the beginning of 2015 in Liga MX, Ruben Sambuesa has six goals and seven red cards. Yeah. America looked like they've done a decent bit of business getting rid of him, actually. <laughs> As good of a player as he is, of course, but that's just ridiculous. You can't, you can't have that sort of liability in the club. Okay, so and breathe. Um, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on, and let's move on to, as I said, something more positive. We're going to take the opportunity that we have here with with no current games to talk about to have a little bit of a reminisce. And when I say reminisce, I mean reminisce for me because. If you don't know, I only got into Liga Mekis at the beginning of the 13-14 season. So, to me, the old days are like the 13-14 season and the 14-15 season. For some of you guys, I'm sure that's way too recent to be called history. But, you know, Liga Mekis moves so fast and a lot has changed uh, in these times. So, what I've decided to do is pick five teams that I would love to see from basically the first two seasons of me getting into Liga Mekis. So five old but fairly recent Liga Mekis teams that I would love to see again. And so yeah, here we go. This is this is my list. So to start with, I've got the Leon side from 13-14, which was um, the Bicampeon side. You know, star players in, in that team, and uh, I'll, I'll post on Twitter, I've drawn their sort of average starting 11s, I'll, I'll post some pictures on Twitter of it, but you know, the, this team was amazing, and obviously you had Rafa Marquez at the back, who had it all together, and the midfield and attack was just outstanding, Jalito Vasquez holding it together, you had the creativity of Elias Hernandez and Chapo Montes, you had the driving force of Julit Peña, you had the movement up front of uh, either Britos or Arisala sometimes, um, or sometimes they'd play with one up front and they'd have another winger, which would either be uh, Burbano or Eisner Lopo. 
And of course, up front, the, the best goal scorer in recent times in Liga Mekis, Mauro Bosselli. I'm sure you guys remember this team extremely well. They were absolutely sensational. And in the in Ligia, in both Ligias, they just blew teams away. Absolutely blew teams away. They were irresistible. And Matosas, you know, he played... He played his style, he played attacking football, very attacking football. And it was very successful. Uh, and they were, you know, I remember when I, this was my first season of getting into the league, so I was still learning a lot about it as I was going along. And I didn't know anywhere near as much as I know now. But yeah, this, this, this was the team that really first captured my imagination. They were just so, so good to watch. Particularly, I think, you know, that midfield and there's a lot of people probably wondering what's happened to Hullet since because he was incredible that season and he just dominated games in the midfield. I think, I've said this before, one of the problems now is that for me, he's playing too close to the striker. So I can picture in my head watching these driving runs from midfield where Peña would, would pick it up, you know, say Jalito wins the ball, plays a little pass to, to Hullet, and he just drives forward. You know, he, he was such a powerful runner. And then from there, he'd create stuff, he'd have shots, he'd, he'd get into the box of those late runs and, and, and cause problems with that. But yeah, all around this Leon team were absolutely fantastic. Uh, perhaps the strongest team since I've been following Liga Merkis and certainly a team I would love to have the chance to see again. The next team I've gone for also from 13-14 is perhaps a little bit surprising um, but I'll, there's a good reason why. It's Monarcas Morelia and this is pretty much for two players to be honest. The first of whom is believe it or not Actually, it's tough to say because Botto was so good. But probably, probably my favourite player to ever play in Liga Merkis. Or the person I've enjoyed my playing most. And that is Jefferson Montero. I'm sure I'm not the only person who absolutely adored Montero when he was in the league. He was just... He was just ridiculous. And no one could handle him. There wasn't a defender in the league that could lay a finger on him. He used to just blow by defenders he was so skillful so fun to watch and if for those who who know of course he was the he was the first person i ever saw score in liga mekis in the first liga mekis game i ever saw he scored an incredible hat trick so i absolutely loved him the other player i loved to watch from morelia was aldo leal ramirez when he was at the top of his game, I, I just thought he was a ridiculous midfielder. Absolutely ridiculous. He, in terms of creativity, he had it all. Uh, he, he was a fantastic dribbler. He could keep the ball in tight spaces. He had outstanding vision of pass and, and accuracy of pass. He could chip in with goals too, pushing forward. I, I thought he was an incredible player and I loved watching him. So... Second choice is the Morelia 13-14 team. They also had some, some other good players like Hector Mancia was a good striker. Uh, Chema Cardenas was a creative wide player. He also played for Leon as well. And interestingly, these first two teams I've ch chosen played an incredible...
incredible Ligia match in the 13-14 season and one I'll never forget. The first leg was a three-all draw, a ridiculous three-all draw, where Leon just, they battered Morelia and Jefferson Montero basically just kept them kept Morelia in the game on his own. And then the second leg, Leon won 4-0 and they were fantastic. It was, it was an incredible, um, incredible tie, that one. Never forget that. Another one from 13-14 I've gone for is Toluca. And Toluca were one of the first sides I really got into watching because of the early Sunday kickoff, which you know was easy for me to watch. So there's a few players that are still there now, like Taravera, uh, Paulo da Silva, Antonio Rios. But the key for me was... I mean, it always is. You're never going to get that excited about a defence. <laughs> the key is is that midfield and attack. You know, you had Pablo Velasquez up front, who was one of the best strikers in the league this year. And you had the dynamic three behind of Isaac Brizuela, who I think played his best ever season to date. This was his best ever season. Colas Esquivel, fantastic player. And Pajaro Benitez, also a great player and someone who could get a lot of goals. So th- those three were, were always fun to watch, great dribblers, very creative. But perhaps the one I enjoyed watching most was Wilson Thiago, the Brazilian midfielder. And Wilson Thiago was, back then I would put him in, you know, for the 13-14 season, he'd be in my team of the season, um, from my memory at least. He was such a presence in the midfield and his his reading of the game combined with his physicality, man, he absolutely dominated games. He would boss the midfield and he also had creativity going forward. So all round he was an incredible player and someone that I really enjoyed watching because it kind of in a similar way to, to the way it's fun to watch Guido Rodriguez now, you know, because he was so dominant. You were just so impressed when you watched him. It was like, wow, you know, this guy is bossing it. And it's, it's, it's great fun to watch those, those kind of midfielders that just dominate games. And he was one of them. Two more to go, um, both from the 14-15 season. The first one from that season I've gone for is Atlas. Now, this was in recent memory by far the best Atlas side again I'm going to run you through the the midfield and attack you you had uh, in a 4-3-3 system you had Medina as the holder and then Rodrigo Mila and um, Adolio Ramirez again get to mention the wingers were Ponchito Gonzalez and Michael Leche and the striker was Luis Caballero now there's one word that I always used to use when describing this team and that is balance. I think this is perhaps the most balanced team I've seen in Liga Merkis. It was you know, it wasn't too weighted in in one side or another. They were had they had solidity defensively and they had creativity going forward. Uh, yeah, it was a very balanced side and formation. But there's one problem. Caballero didn't get enough goals. If they had a top quality striker this season, I think they really could have won Ligia. You know, the midfield, they, they dominated games. Uh, they kept possession so, so well. And they created a lot of chances. 
Ponchito was fantastic this season. I think this is by far the best Ponchito has has played in his career so far. I thought I really liked Maicon. I'm surprised that Maicon didn't get a chance at Toluca because he was the sort of player who I think was great for the squad again to add balance in the, in the squad because he was someone who could produce something out of the ordinary. He was someone with that flair, that skill, who could do something special. So he was an important player on the side. But yeah, the problem was Caballero didn't get enough goals. But still, even with him up front, or sometimes bad again, they gave a game again, not quite good enough to be a very top Liga Mekis side. Even with those guys, they still had a very good season. And it's the best Atlas team by some way that I've seen since I've been a follower of Liga Mekis. Finally, finally, here's a surprising one. You knew I was always going to come up with something left field, didn't you? Leones Negros, U de G, from 14-15. Now you're wondering, why, 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 why have you picked a team that got relegated? Why would you want to see a team that got relegated again? Well, I love watching them. I absolutely love watching them. Maybe it was something about the Sunday evenings. I've always, there's always been something special to me about those Sunday evening games. I've always just loved them. I've loved watching those Sunday games. Um, wh- whoever it's been, you know, uh, whether it's Puebla, I always love watching Puebla on Sunday evenings. Uh, recently, Chapa, Santos. Um, who's, the, who's the other team that play on Sunday evenings now? Um, it's, it's Puebla, isn't it? It's Puebla, yeah. I've always loved these Sunday evening games. And yeah, Udeche, they were always entertaining. Very entertaining for me to watch, particularly in the Clausura. And the Clausura, they had a really, really good quality midfield and attack. And one of the players I love watching most was Mark Crossas, who played holding midfield for them. I mean, a real incredible signing for them to get him on loan for the season. Such a classy midfielder. And a great shame that he's left Liga Mekis now because... He was just so good. As a deep-lying playmaker, he was so good. He, he never gave the ball away. I mean, his passing percentages were always in the 90s. Yeah. Really, really good player. Alongside him, you had Luis Tejas, who's a player that I'm stunned hasn't made it in Liga Mekis, to be honest. I really liked him. I thought he, I thought he had a lot. You know, He was, he was energetic in the midfield. He, he, he had dynamism, but he had quality as well. He could win tackles. He could create chances. And yeah, I, th- I thought he was a really good player and I'm surprised he hasn't made um, surprised he hasn't made it in Liga Merkis yet. On the wings, in, in the clausura at least, you had uh, Jonathan Gonzalez on the right, who was an Ecuadorian, young prospect. Again, good player, incredibly quick. They used to call him Speedy Gonzalez. Moved to Leon afterwards and just didn't get a chance there, unfortunately. But good talent. On the left, we'd either have Vilcis, I've spoken about before, the, the winger who's now at Morelia. I like him a lot. I, again, I think he's been very unlucky not to get more games in, in Mexico. Or it would have been another Ecuadorian who was uh, Chiqui Guerrero, who was just ridiculous. And I would, I, I, I really hope this guy turns up in Liga Mekis again. I don't think I've ever seen anyone as ridiculously skillful as this guy. And it, yeah. I don't know if you, anyone remembers watching him. He didn't get too many games, but it was like edge of your seat stuff because you never knew what he was going to do. It, it, 
he'd just pull out absurd skills from all over the place. He was incredible to watch. Up front, you had in, in, in the kind of number 10 role was Fidel Martinez, who had a very, very good season here. Again, Alegria, you know, he's, he is joy, he is fun. He is skillful, he's creative, he's clever. And uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. What was their problem? It was their striker, Anangono. Missed so many chances, this guy. So many chances. They had a better striker than Anangono. I've said this before, i say it again. They would have stayed up. And they may still be in Liga Mekis today. Who knows? But that was their problem. They, they had a striker who just kept missing chances. But tell you what. Udeche home games in that clausura, I loved every single one of them. They played some fantastic football in all of those games and um, they were always a lot of fun to watch they dominated they dominated most of the home games and uh, it's yeah looking back to kind of the old days I'd love to have another Sunday evening of of, uh, an Udeche home game yeah so there you go that's my choices five teams from the recent history or history for me that I'd like to watch again. Leon from 13-14, Morelia from the same season, and Toluca also from 13-14, and then from 14-15, Atlas and Udeche. If you have any thoughts on those teams or any teams you'd love to see again, then please do let me know on Twitter at TomH underscore 36. Well, yeah, that's it for this week. As I said, a bit, bit different this week. We had... Um, I think, yeah, some fairly passionate opinions about the strike and then some uh, some fun just talking about the old days of League of Mickey. So it was, I've done, I've done a fair amount of reminiscing this weekend, I, I did, to, to fill in my, my lack of League of Mickey's time. And yeah, it was, tell you what, it was incredible just kind of looking at some of my old tweets and stuff and yeah, realising how much I've grown in a year and a half or, or however long it's been it, it's been absolutely crazy and it's all down to to you guys that are listening to this so can't thank you enough um yeah it's been so much fun and uh hopefully hopefully i can keep growing and you know keep producing good content that you guys like like i said yeah i love doing it i love doing it all right, that's it for another episode of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Hopefully we'll have some League MX to talk about next week. See you then. <laughs>